now, say now. You're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here at the Momentum Studios in Portland, Oregon. Spencer, what's the deal? Yes, indeed. If you need it, we in the building. Hello. Quick announcement. Street Roots Podcast is back. I told y'all a little bit last week when I... Uh, well, if you are on Patreon, go subscribe to the Patreon if you aren't on Patreon. But uh, I was a little... Uh, not pleased with this here because we didn't talk about Judge Katanji Brown Jackson right. on our regular episode that we released on Friday. So uh. we we acknowledged it during the Patreon episode, but then I also talked about on the Patreon episode how I would be interviewing Senator Wyden this week, and I did on the Street Roots podcast. Absolutely, and I did, and the episode will be out tomorrow morning when nice. this episode goes out. Sick. And then obviously next week you'll be able to check it out on StreetRoots.org. At the podcast sections, but at the podcast section, excuse me, but subscribe to the Street Roots podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, mm-hmm. Apple, it doesn't matter. Go ahead, subscribe to that. I had a good conversation with Senator Wyden this week. We obviously, as I mentioned, talked about Judge Katanji Brown Jackson becoming the first African American woman nominated to Supreme Court justice. We talked about mental health and the work that he's doing to get mental health care access for all. Mm. We discussed the Cahoots bill, obviously, on the heels of Portland Street response, which you all know I've been able to be a part of the work uh, of making that and bringing that to life here in the city of Portland. That expanded citywide less than a month ago. And so with the Cahoots bill, Senator Wyden had, uh, Senator Wyden, excuse me, had introduced that to Senate about a year ago and it was a billion dollars that was allocated to the Cahoots bill. So just Major. wanted to catch up on what's going on there from a federal standpoint. Um, we talked about the Blazers, too. He's a huge Blazer fan. Yeah. Huge Blazer fan. We got to talk about the Blazers. We even talked about the war a little bit and the impacts that it's having yeah. on Americans. So we, 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 we got around. Yeah, that's nice. It's such a great vessel to be able to tap into to be like, yo, just give us some insight Getting people on a podcast, you know, we talk about it all the time. Getting people on a podcast, they they talk differently. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They feel like a sense of like I don't know relaxation. Of, I, I at least I do. Yeah, I do. for sure. And you, and you don't get that kind of access, especially with senators. Absolutely. That you don't get that kind of candid access. You know what I'm saying? A, a, a press conference on the podium is not no a podcast. It's although not, it's although not. it could if it could feel like it. Well, usually because a press conference on a podium is about a particular thing, a particular event. And obviously, a lot of them tend to be planned out ahead of time, um, unless there's like an emergency press conference, which even still will be about whatever the (laughs) emergency event was that took place that led to an immediate press conference to be had. So to be able to cover that much ground with him from Blazers to mental health to Katanji Brown Jackson and him having to vote and kind of what that day was like for him, being able to kind of verbally illustrate that day, obviously being on the floor as a voter. And he even talked about, and I don't want to give away the whole episode. I want you to subscribe to the street roots podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, but he he, he discussed, he discussed like when he got on the plane because he immediately left after the nomination was made um, and just kind of how celebratory his flight was on the way back to Portland from Washington, D.C. So we got to get into a lot, man. Again, a good conversation. It will be out when this episode is out as well. So by the time you hear us promoting that Street Roots podcast on here, you'll be able to go right over there and tune into the interview. Yeah, I'm going to hit it tomorrow morning. Bright and early, waking up, winning. Hello. With the Street Roots podcast, and we wake up and win, man. And and we miss I miss President Biden today. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was uh, yeah, he was out here high stepping through the city. He was absolutely to, he was fleet footed, trying to get in and out, it seemed. Yeah, President Biden making a visit to the Pacific Northwest. He started off here in Portland today, as we're recording this on a Thursday, 421. The holiday was yesterday. Great album, bro. Um, Great album. Yeah, man. so so he uh he came today. I think he's in Seattle tomorrow, and then he'll probably go back to wherever he'll go back to, (laughs) the White House or whatever house he decides he wants to go to. But, um, I mean, obviously, it's a huge deal whenever the president of the United States comes to your city. Like, that's just a huge deal in itself. I tried to get over there. I tried to make it happen. You got to shoot your shot. I shot it. I shot it. I was pretty close. (laughs) Yeah, you were pretty close. (laughs) I was pretty close. I mean, that's that's just it, man. The power of just an email, like a just a nicely 
thought out to the point email. Absolutely, it can it can really get you get you there for sure for, for sure. So I was pretty it close. Did, it didn't last. It, it didn't this time. Didn't happen this time. But hey, next shoot time maybe shoot, shoot or shoot though, baby. I'm not afraid to miss. I always tell people like the worst thing somebody could say is no. Yeah. Like I've learned that, especially in this profession, like working in in media, where you know a, a lot of people make things about like qualifications and. Really, the only way that you're going to get experience is to get your hands dirty. Mm. And obviously, just like any other job, when you get hired for a job, you're going to have to go through trainings. And you'll be able to catch on if you just work hard, commit yourself to it, study the craft, and again, get your hands dirty because that is the only way that you'll learn, especially in the media space. So over the years, I've, I've been fortunate that early on, I felt I had a sense of belonging in this space. And because of that, I've been able to adapt. And all of the different projects and the assignments that I've been able to be a part of as a journalist, I've been able to adapt to them because the worst thing that could happen is somebody tells me no, or I also look at it from this lens. You don't have to post everything that you do. So if you feel like whatever you're doing isn't sufficient enough to publicize, just don't publicize it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good You know what I mean? Like like don't publicize it and that's one thing. I've had stories I've tried I've tried to write that just weren't it. Didn't hit the mark. And I wasn't like I mean you're discouraged by it when you put time and effort into something like you want it to to come to fruition ultimately, but I've had my moments where I've learned like, you know what? Maybe I can go another direction with this because this one just ain't hidden. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like with music, it's a little different in that, like it's sort of, it, it is very subjective. That's what media and, and entertainment industry and stuff. That's what they have in common. I was just talking about this the other day and you know, like it's so subjective that everybody your good could just be someone else's like, it's just not right for this yeah. space and time. Yeah. And that's totally okay to accept. It is hard though, because it's, you know, I mean, even a, a, a writing a piece or trying to get involved yeah. with like, you know what I'm saying? Some sort of project or on some sort of media broadcast. It's like, that's where your heart is. It's your heart. For sure. And when people go, oh yeah, saying no to getting said no to your heart, it sucks. And by the way, nobody said no to me when it came to President Biden. They just... They ghosted you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even really ghosted. Like, ghost I understand. Job, yeah, <laughs> I understand how it goes. I don't. I don't feel ghosted, but no, you know, no. That, you know, I, I got a response. So I wouldn't say I got ghosted because I did get a response. Mm. Ghosted is like, all right, I reached out. You never reached back out to me. You never followed up with me. So I'm mm. not even on your radar. Or even if I am on your radar because you saw what I had to say, you didn't acknowledge that I was on your radar for said thing. Even if whatever it was, the execution didn't go as planned or how I would have liked it personally. Like, I respect the response. And I got that. Mm. <laughs> so I, I'm not mad about it at yeah, all. Yeah, man, but. I got to work on that, dude. Just like, you know, I always get back to people, but even – admittedly, because I used to all the time, I'm going to say not get back to people because the answer that I was going to give them wasn't going to be what I thought that they wanted to hear. Yeah. So I would just not get back to them and sort of let it all just sort of fall to the wayside. But now I try to get back to people, even if it's like a quick like, yeah, sorry, bro, I'm not going to be able to tap in with you today. Or yeah. Whatever you're asking sure. me, I can't say yes to. Dude, that's a hard you know, discipline to to get on top of for one. Oh, I get it. I, I'm a director. So I get stuff. I mean, my inbox is crazy. Mm -hmm. My email always I have, because obviously being in a position of a director, I have a little bit more leverage. Yeah. I have a little bit more leverage to like, give it a yes or a no for whatever said thing is. So everything, as you mentioned, flows up to me. And sometimes that's a lot to try to keep up with. So I do have my moments, and I feel like I can improve at getting back to people as well. Yeah. But sometimes it's just hard. I'm not in a position where I have 
a press secretary, if you will, or I have mm. somebody whose job is to focus on my emails. Yeah. I have to juggle the emails and the actual real life work and meetings and all of the other things that I have to acti- actively do during my day. So right. it gets tough. It's not an Yo, easy thing to do. Check it out. I, but I get it done. I Gotta ju- get it done. I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday. I'm just talking about a lot of things. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Podcast, <laughs> it just so happens that I was just talking about this. It's almost like we planned this. No, and we but didn't. I, no, and we didn't. But check it out. No, I was talking to him, and, and I heard this story. It was on Twitter, I'm sure, and I'm, maybe people out there have heard it, but it was somebody said to the effect of, like, I had so much, you know, like, stress or anxiety or just inability to keep up with my influx of emails and all of the things that I needed to, you know, schedule dates for and approve and disapprove and whatever, so that that person removed themselves from the process by, like, inventing a fake secretary. Like, they would just... Made, they made up like a new email address and just yeah. like advertised that their business hired like a new secretary and it was just a made up person. Yeah. So then all of that inform, you know, everybody trying to hit her up was just like, she was like, oh yeah, it's, it, you know, it always goes to my secretary, which is really her. Right. And she was like, I was so much easier able to be like, no, no, yes, 10 o'clock, whatever. Yeah. And then also, if you didn't get back to him, you could always just blame it on your secretary. Terry Rock. <laughs> so I was telling this person that, and this person was like, damn, I should really get on it. And I'm like, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's a little sideways. I'm yeah, it is sideways. It is, I'm not doing it, anybody that, well, uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, at least listen, I'm not telling it, y'all it, that exactly. I'm doing well, you would it. Never know. <laughs> watch, next I'm not week, telling watch, y'all if that's week, what I'm doing. Next but you never know. Next week on the pod, Devon's like, "Yeah, wake up and win has just hired Derek, so you can just send uh, all your emails to him. He's a little slow. We'll get him going." No, but I, but uh, but yeah, that was a, a funny idea that I heard. No, for sure, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, again, a lot going on here in the Pacific Northwest. Podcasting is great. Glad to be reviving the street roots podcast it, it's, yeah, it's been, been a minute it's been a minute it was down for some months um for those that don't know we had like a sweeping editorial transition at street roots and the street roots podcast was very collaborative with our editorial department so with that you know with the sweeping changes i mean when i say sweeping changes i mean sweeping changes um not for bad like because- brooklyn boston series sweeping yeah. changes <laughs> <laughs> no, but- not not for not for worse at all so so please don't take it that way nothing like bad happened like we just had a retirement <laughs> essentially yeah. um which is a great thing for somebody to be able to see through that long enough of a career to be able to retire um, from said position. Our executive editor, Joanne Zool, at the time, she had been our editor for 20 years. So it was a good time for a changing of the guard, essentially, in that regard. And she obviously had staff that was under her as well, and they all went and got other gigs as well. So it's cool because we were able to give new opportunities to a new, fresh editorial team and they are doing phenomenal work at street roots so again no no bad reasons at all the 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 folks that left had they'd done their time as far as like they'd been at street roots for a while and you know you move on it happens um so with that obviously the street roots podcast kind of went to sleep because the editorial changings were so sweeping that the new editorial team, they, the, you know, the new editorial program staff had to get their feet under them right. in, in so many more ways that was a little bit more significant than just the podcast because we yeah. publish a weekly newspaper, which is <laughs> yeah. our primary product as far as what our vendors go out and sell. So with that, um, the podcast just kind of went to sleep a little bit, but I've been able to reconnect with the new editorial team, and we are now ready to get this thing back launched and off the ground. So super excited to be working with them. Again, the collaborative effort always feels dope to me, Um, being able to work with other journalists, being able to work with our editorial producer, being able to corral more ideas, just kind of the team camaraderie around the podcast is dope, especially when you know what you do (laughs) with your own podcast. Obviously, I appreciate you for coming in week in and week out to do it, but it's a stressful thing upkeeping a podcast <laughs> weekly in this it sense, is. but just period. <laughs> like yeah. it, it, it's a lot that goes into it. So I'm excited to get it back off the ground, man. And again, it allows me to get more 
in my political bag a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I and do a lot of work reps. on that front. And reps, of course. And just we stay potting. Reps. Rep. And we get really good guests over there. Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of elected you just officials. just interviewed the, cent- the center yeah. of the state, bro. <laughs> I mean, when you're talking about like a political podcast, yeah. a regional political podcast, that's you know what? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so we get really good guests, but we also and there's interesting guests. It's so wide ranging. I can I've interviewed folks off the streets. Some of our vendors that you know were unhoused and stay on the streets, and just a huge blend of stories that that I'm able to cover through that realm and that lens. So it's pretty cool, man. Go subscribe. As you all can hear, I'm pretty excited about it because I've told y'all to subscribe to it about three times mm-hmm. already before we even got into any uh topics for today so let's transition over into that now um playoffs baby playoffs man it's 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 infected my life okay i'm same i'm up every day anywhere between 5 45 and 6 a.m not because i'm trying to like be a better person but because i need to (laughs) just get all of my work out of the way yeah so i can sit and watch basketball absolutely we're recording during basketball right now too by the way or it's about to start it's what fourth about to be 4 30 yeah the the, let's talk about that series man memphis minnesota memphis Memphis. yeah what do you think about it uh well john morant responded the way that he was supposed to respond he is the best player on the court in case you forgot but Anthony Edwards, Big Cat, D-Lo, those guys are not scrubs. And they're going to go take it to those dudes. I still like Memphis. I do, too. But I think that, I mean, obviously, this isn't a brand new take, but Memphis probably thought to themselves, we were going to walk through this series a lot easier than what they're getting so far. They're, they're, <sighs> look, I mean, look, I'm not talking about necessarily like difficult, the level of difficulty to beat them in four games. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. I'm talking about John Morant is getting assaulted every time he goes to the rim. Absolutely. They are dogging him out. Yeah. Big Cat has jabbed his knee into his side and into his hip and into his thighs about every time that he comes across the lane. Yeah. If John Morant's going to take that kind of abuse, it's going to wear on you. Obviously, he's young, but it's just going to wear on you. We already see, man, the playoffs are rugged. Rugged. Here. I love it. <laughs> it's I love rugged it. ball getting played, bro. Rugged ball all across the league. Every single night, you're seeing a fist fight. I mean, not literally, but figuratively speaking. Yeah. And a rock fight, if you will. And that's the type of basketball that everybody has been sitting there talking about, oh, that's that, that's, the, that's the type of basketball that's been lost as the game has changed. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm watching these games every night. It looks pretty tough to me. Yeah, it looks tough. It looks physical. That series in particular is very tough, very physical. I do still think Memphis is going to come away with it. Um, you know, I, obviously when you consider Minnesota coming out with the victory in game one, coming off of the momentum that they had coming out of a play-in, like – that can help you to be able to win a game one in the series. It's up until you realize, oh, this is a seven-game series. And although every game matters, clearly game one doesn't tell the full story of how this thing is going to turn out. And again, when you're Memphis, you had over a week off uh, between the regular season and the playoffs. When you're Minnesota, you play in a playing game. You do great in the playing game, and now you have momentum going into a series against a team that's been off for a week and doesn't have any momentum because they've been able to sit and get rested. And Minnesota punched first. And hard, and they punched hard. 130 they, points they hung on them, and John ja Morant responded. And by points. the way, that's a lot of points in the playoffs. Yeah, I gotta say, like, yeah, that is. They're gonna even if they don't score that much again. I see Minnesota getting another game, and all that boils down to, like, take Minnesota's case for instance. They're the perfect example. <clears throat> Excuse me. You don't want you have to play, especially the playoffs, but. Every game, you got to take it one game at a time. For sure. But you don't want to do that. You want to be able to look down the line and say, okay, bet. If we can get out of this Minnesota situation as quickly as possible, at least we'll be as fresh as we possibly can be to go losing four to to Golden State. But it's like, you know what I'm saying? You want to have that 
You want to have that four to Golden State? I mean, they might get one, but have you seen the way those dudes are playing? Of course, I have. Yeah, I, you know I have. As I've good been, as anybody. I've been sitting there right there next to you. I've been sitting there next to you, losing money on dumb, dumb bets. But that's neither here nor there. But you know what I'm saying, bro? Like, and that's really what happened quicker than I thought it would, to be honest. With injuries, which I'm sure we'll get to on on various dudes, but just the adversity that dudes had to face right out of the gate. For all across the down the line, every series, it just really immediately took away any advantages that maybe a team like a Milwaukee or a Memphis to a certain extent can be like, okay, well, we have a little bit of bandwidth to look down the line and see what we're working with because you yeah. know injuries are going to come. Well, all of that is done now. To, yeah, well, to me, all that's of just that speculation not a, is over. To me, that's just not a champion's mentality. And I think. It's, yeah. a co- it's a coaching staff's mentality, or I think at least it should be to be able to see. To be able to look, you know, t- take it seriously one game at a time, and then also be able to look. Well, that's why you have assistant. Well, that's bit. why you have assistant coaches. Well, sure. So, you, but I mean, you, that's, you that's have the, you have you staff your coaching staff to have somebody that is able to do that, but you don't instill that into your actual players because you have to face the now as a head coach. Sure, you've got assistant coaches that have to, you know, divvy out their day, spend a certain amount of time focusing on the task at hand, spend a certain amount of time knowing there's only two options of teams that you can play if you do lose this series. I mean, if you do win this series in advance. So, yeah, we're going to watch a little bit here and there. We're going to follow that particular series. But, again, that's more of a staffing thing. But with the players in particular – you got to knock down what's right in front of you, and you can't look ahead or look forward because that's the easiest way to get swept off your feet or to get punched in the mouth. With again, which again, that's what happened to Memphis. But it is what happened to Memphis. It's what just gonna say. That's exactly what, what they did. It's what happened they to Memphis. Right past Minnesota. Like I don't agree with that. Everyone else did for them. I don't. I don't agree with I that. I mean, I'm sure because that I, they think, did I think. I think the com- if you consider if you I consider mean, the conversations that were being had regarding Minnesota coming into that series. And this is one of the things that I love about the play-in as well. Coming off of the play-in, we all saw like, oh, Minnesota actually might be kind of legit. And that became an an intriguing series uh, series immediately after we saw Patrick Beverly do the celebration, after we saw Minnesota beat the Clippers and just the type of team that they could be. I ultimately just think it was a momentum thing. Minnesota had the momentum coming off of that play-in. When you take a week off, it takes a little bit of time to adjust and get back into your groove when it comes to a game-type flow. And I think that's what happened. They got punched in the mouth right away because Minnesota had already been trekking. They were able to recover. They bounced back. They beat the shit out of them in game two. In game two. And Java Rant made sure to let everybody know, yeah, for all of y'all that that switched up on us because we lost game one, Stay over there. Look, <laughs> Stay on that side. Yeah, and I, I felt him on that. I love his his perspective on the game. You know what I'm saying? Like he gets it, and he looks at it in a way that I mean, you know he has. And again, I'm not obviously. You're right. A championship mentality. Blah 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 for sure. But the social media age. You know, we know what time it is. Like John Morant, he knows I'm gonna beat these boys, and that's just gonna be that. And, he, and because he he will just not lose. He's the best player on the on the court. Looking at the series with uh, Golden State, we know Golden State's winning that series. That's just a fo- a foregone conclusion at this point. Yeah, I agree. So the question is then, you know, are you going to have the best play- I mean, if you have Steph Curry coming off the bench, you certainly have the best player coming off the bench. You deal with if that you- when you get there, though. And that's the nah, thing that I'm saying is – for that team, for this Memphis team, they've got to stay locked into this series, or it could get ugly, and it could get out. They've I, already I, lost. I, they've already lost home court advantage. Obviously, they're getting ready to play right now, but you focus on that when you get there because you don't. There's so many unknown factors that you don't know. Sure, we can say that. Yeah, you know, Golden State looks a lot better than Denver. They're up 2-0. They still own home court, and barring any injuries, we think they're going to win. But that's us speaking from a lens of wishing that no injuries happen or that anything doesn't happen so drastically to lead to the entire landscape of what the Warriors have been able to put on display in these first couple of games from a production standpoint, that can all shift and change overnight. We see Devin Booker's out now. We see Chris Chris Middleton Middleton. out for three to six weeks now. So you've just got to stay dialed in and focus on who it is that you're playing against again. 
as an organization, you staff people that can look ahead so that way you're a little bit prepared if you do in the case that you do advance. But I, I think it's more so of a situation where you got to dial in to right now. You got to tap into right now. You got to give it your all right now because night in and night out, anything goes. Anything can happen. So if I'm Memphis, I'm not even thinking about Golden State right now. I wouldn't be. They would haunting my dreams. I'm not even you, thinking about Golden State. Why would you want to think about that type of punishment? I wouldn't. That's going to be a rough go. I'll tell you what. Without Booker, Golden State, to me, looks like the team that's coming out of the West. And who knows how long it's going to take that dude. It's a grade one hamstring injury. Grade one. So, yep. you know, two to three weeks is the timeline. But depending upon what kind of garbage fires get started with, you know, with that series that they're in right now against New Orleans, because damn, Brandon Ingram showed up. He showed up. I mean, he he's showed a baller, up though. A big he shows time. up. <laughs> you know, he's a baller. You know, man, those guys, Brandon Ingram's, the Jason Tatum's, you know, those are dudes that you're going, oh, they're in that little, that transitional space. They're not part of these young kids that are coming up. Right. But they're not the elder statesmen of the game. Right. The KDs and the LeBrons and the like. But especially with the case of Jason Tatum, and I and I know we're jumping from West to East Coast, but Jason Tatum is a top five basketball player in the league today. Figure it out, whatever you want to <laughs> however you want to take off, fun. Uh, but Jason Tatum is top five. Uh, Two-way player, he is officially better than. Paul George on both ends of the floor. I think you have to call it like you see it there. He is a scoring dynamo. He gave KD 50, and with the momentum, as you were talking about earlier, yeah. that teams can generate, especially an organization like Boston, the type of momentum that they've been generating has sure. been spanning decades. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Jason Tatum is about to f absolutely trounce KD for the rest of the series. KD's going to get off, but they're not going to win, and it's not going to matter. And Jason Tatum, I think this year becomes he he moves out of that that space, that transitional space. A guy I, like Brandon Ingram is still there. I, I, A guy like Devin Booker even is still there. No, cut it out. Cut it out. Okay, maybe maybe not different. Cut Booker. it okay, out. I was a little wild. Cut okay, it right, out. That was wild. That was wild. <laughs> you know what? I saw it come out of my mouth. No I way. Like, I saw it come out of my mouth. I'm like, dude, you're getting excited. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Yeah, not Devin cut Booker. it out. Not Devin Booker. Excuse me. Yes. Devin yes. Booker is the it's real. The truth. He's no the truth. So, so that's what I mean, though. That Jason Tatum situation, I think it's changed. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far to call him a top five player in the NBA. Um, I do agree that... He is coming out of being a young, very talented player into what are going to be his prime years in the NBA. And do I think his ceiling is top five or even the best? I mean, if you're in a top five conversation, you're in a conversation to be in the best player in the world. That's just that. Um, you hmm. rank, rank as you will. <laughs> I mean, like... When we're talking top five players in the world, like we can get nitpicky on why on where one, two, we, three, four, or five well, yeah, should be. But we also can add a bunch of people in that don't really have a right to be there. Like LeBron James is fantastic, but he's not playing today. And Kevin Durant, in a very recent memory, is unbelievable. <clears throat> Excuse me, but he's losing. Guys, yeah, like, but he hasn't lost. So I, the way feel, I see, you still it, got Brooklyn in seven. I I don't have Brooklyn in seven. I think Boston is going to win the series. But if Kevin in Durant seven? turns it on, because they still got to go play in Brooklyn like, for a couple of games. If he, Kevin Durant turns it on, I'm not inclined to say that he, he can't looked, do it. <laughs> he looked he look broke. They were. He he definitely looked neck. broke. The the Celtics the are playing second. great basketball. Man, I think damn. the key to that series has nothing to do with if Tatum's the best player in that series because he's not. Kevin Durant is still the best player mm. in that series regardless of how well Tatum is playing. That entire team is playing well because I think the key to that series is Ime Udoka versus Steve Nash. And I think Ime Udoka is a far better coach than Steve Nash is. Steve Nash is more of a face. He's coaching guys who wanted him there so they could essentially be coaches and 
the Brooklyn operation, the Brooklyn experiment has not been that great to me with obviously Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and the time that James Harden was there. And I think Steve Nash is having a hard time being able to reel it all in and they need more ball movement. They need more player movement. But what is, what is he going to do? Tell KD to stop playing iso ball? What is he going to do? Tell Kyrie to stop playing iso ball? Because that's essentially what's going to have to happen for them, them to win yeah. against this very that, well-coached, very well-defensive <laughs> team. Do it I agree. It, they won't so. do it. He won't say it. That's and it. There you go. It's over. Boston might end up right. winning this series. Well, But I don't think this series would make me sit there and say, hmm, Jason Tatum is better than Kevin Durant now because I wouldn't, I don't no, I, think that way. No, you know, I just think that there's in this game, the podcasting game and the sports media game, it's valuable to be, you know, ahead with hot takes. And no, I just, it's nothing and I just, wrong with it. And I just look, no, I'm just saying, I just look down the line and I think it's coming a lot sooner than people, people are, are willing to accept in that. Guys like LeBron James and Kevin Durant yeah. are yesterday's it's a new era. And we we don't, as basketball fans, we don't want to let go. you still got the Giannis's, you got the For Lucas, sure, and Giannis is the, 27 years you got, old. You got Steph so, Curry. So listen, I know what I'm saying. <laughs> of, of, no, but see, but you got Joel and B. No, 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 but check this you out, got, though. No, you no, got no, Joker. No, hold on, though. Let me, post, but let me ask there. you this question, though. No, no, no I, I totally, totally, but... Steph Curry is part of that pantheon that I'm ta- that I'm referring to. Yeah, but I think LeBron, Steph right? Curry still, and I think Le- Kevin Durant, Steph Curry are still top five players I in the NBA. Th- but I LeBron th- is a little bit older than even they are. I'm inclined to Could agree you with you Jason a little Tatum bit more with than LeBron. LeBron James. No, today, no. I won't say I won't go that far or yet. Maybe next season, can he prove it? He, maybe he's got next a, season. No, he's got a chance to prove it right this, now. Yeah, right now he's got a chance to prove yeah, it right now. That's what I'm saying, but. What happens if things turn around and Brooklyn ends up winning the well, series? Then what are we? Then, then, then where does he rank? Well, well, you know, what? <laughs> Jason, then, then, then where does he rank? Well, then Jason Top twenty. No, Jason Tatum starts to look a lot more like Jimmy Butler in the sense of like you're you're starting to enter your prime and you can't win. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not that's not where you want to be. That's why I'm telling you, man. That perception and the way that we built the way that we talk about these guys that's the reason that's that's a strong reason why you don't fuck excuse me don't mess with Miami like that no, because I Jimmy I I think so because Jimmy Butler has proven time in and time you know time in and time out that he's not in that upper echelon yeah he he's he, not. not to me he's he's a he, star well he's not he's a star well, period. he's not and his window is closed it's over for Jimmy Butler in terms of like being able to get to that level he is who he is and a guy like Jason Tatum, who's been in that transition for the last year or two, I think that he's going to make but the see, next step. And but see, I, I disagree. The reason why somewhat, it's happening right now that Jason Tatum is better than LeBron. I James. agree that it could be happening right now. But what I also think we got to consider, consider is that Jason Tatum, I don't even think he's 25 years old. Yeah, he Jason is Jason Tatum's young. been going to the playoffs since he's entered the league. Yeah. So, so that's one of the things that I think about Boston, where this year could very well be their turn because Jason and Jason, Jason Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are similar to how Dame was. Maybe their first season, they didn't make it to the playoffs. But ever since, they've been playing in the postseason in their early 20s. They know nothing but – and and these are guys that didn't play He's three years of college. Damn. He's 24. These are guys that he didn't play four years of college the way Dame did. Wild? Or three years. I think Dame left after his junior year. But either way, they're young because this team has been going to the playoffs since they've been in the league, essentially. Yeah. So – Hey, their time is going to come. It may very well be right now. Mm-hmm. You look at what they're doing to Brooklyn. You look down the line a little bit, at least from where we sit. Obviously, they still need to take care of what's right in front of them. You see a <laughs> Milwaukee team, Middleton out three to six Ow. weeks. What is that going to mean? Because that's who they would have to play next is the winner of well, Chicago I think the same, and I Milwaukee. Think the same ethos could be applied to Milwaukee. I bet you Milwaukee was like, we're about to whoop these guys. And now Chris Middleton's out. And Giannis is like, damn, I'm going to have to really work to get work. this the series you gotta work taken care of Absolutely. and i don't think that you can afford that kind of especially when you know Giannis is injured playing on an injury when you know guys like joel Embiid who are probably playing on injuries joel Embiid ain't gonna slow down like it's just not guys there was a moment there for a second as it always happens in the playoffs where you know people go okay cool we know what's gonna happen with this series and then just you know it just yeah, as always you, you can't Well I call mean it. if you know the game you understand especially if you've played the game you understand any given night especially when you're in a league of only 30 teams 
and you play these teams three to four times a year, maybe 10 times a year if you consider having to play somebody in a seven-game series in the playoffs. You play them three times in a regular season. If it goes to seven, you end up playing them 10 times in a season. There comes a point where tides turn, where guys figure things out about each other. The familiarity is is insane, and anything can happen on any given night. But I as, ultimately, as we say, anybody can get it. Anybody can get it, and that's what I think the theme is for this year's playoffs: is anybody can get it. Nobody's safe. Yeah. Nobody in these playoffs on either side, the East Coast. Obviously, we've had 10 years of LeBron going to the finals where he was always safe. If you go to the 10 consecutive NBA finals, I consider that safe. You consider the Warriors going to five consecutive finals. They they got to a place of being safe. This particular year, though, this postseason, nobody is safe. And I think that's why the playoffs have got off to such a good start because you can clearly see that nobody's safe. Yeah, and I'm about to be watching a gang – I'm I'm glued to the tube for the next foreseeable month or two, depending on how long this takes. Yeah, um, but yeah, Brooklyn, they got to find a leader over there, man. They got to find a leader. They're not going to be able to because they, they got to the find egos a leader. of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are just too large to be stood 10 feet from each and other. And I think it that's something. Work. And I think that's something that people, people made Kyrie sitting out and Kevin Durant supporting Kyrie about the actual vaccine. And they personalized it in regards to how they feel about COVID-19 when the reality of it is there is a correlation to a uh, to leadership or a lack thereof in this particular case when you saw guys not putting the team first regardless of where your morals stand <laughs> regardless of a, a, a morality a sense of morality in regards to him standing on his own 10 toes and doing things and standing on him his beliefs and all of that is fine and dandy and it's respectable it's commendable whether you agree with it or not I can respect somebody that's willing to do that but what are you going to sacrifice in doing so? Because sacrifice is going to come with it. In the case of this Brooklyn Nets team, I think we're watching the sacrifice right now as they're down 0-2 against a young, good, really good Boston Celtics team that has been locked in from start to finish this year. And that's why they were able to make the the the, the drastic transition that they were able to make after the All-Star break, turning into essentially the best defensive team in the league, arguably the hottest team in the league, and a team that's beating Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving 2-0 right now because, yeah, you're going to go through your, your, your turbulence, you're going to go through your rougher patches of the season, but they've stayed locked in from a basketball front, from a Pure basketball front. Ime Odoka has stayed locked in. He's a first-year head coach. He understood that they were going to go through some transitional issues being a first-year head coach. And the way it looks, the players understood we've got to put some trust in him and allow him to do his thing as a first-year head coach. And it'll call, um, all come around when the time is right. The time looks to be right right now. Kyrie, he gave that up. He gave that up by not getting that shot. Again, respect him for standing on his beliefs, if you will. I don't necessarily agree with what he did, but it's not my body. It ain't got nothing to do with me. I really don't care enough to sit here and debate about that. But when you start to talk about what's being sacrificed because of it, I think we're seeing it on the floor right now because this Brooklyn team does not look good in the most pivotal part of the season. Yeah, they don't look like they belong there almost. Yeah. And I said this about and that, James and that's Harden. weird to say when you got those guys standing there, but they yeah. just don't look like they belong. And, and I said this about James Harden. Once he got traded, James Harden did not have the luxury of being a champion coming into this situation the way that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving did. So a huge reason James Harden, I believe wanted to get out of there is because He's looking at championship or bust, especially at this point in his career. He clearly looks like he might be on the decline. That doesn't mean he's still not a really good player. See, but James Harden I don't was think top he's five the, recently. He was top five recently. James I don't think Tatum he's there. Probably I don't think James, he's there today. today. I don't think he. I I would agree with. I tend to agree with you on that one. But Jace, but James Harden is still a star in this league, and he hasn't won a title. So for James, it's like, yo, you gotta get y'all got now. the y'all got the. Y'all have afforded yourselves the privilege based on what you've been able to accomplish in the past to be able to fight a different fight than maybe I'm able to fight right now because 
I want to win a, a title the same way y'all wanted to win a title back when y'all were able to get the job done. So there was a clear disconnect to me from a basketball standpoint mm. because Kyrie was sacrificing basketball to prioritize his beliefs or whoever it was that he wanted to stand up for and represent where James Harden is prioritizing basketball because the window continues to close on him to ultimately be able to win an NBA title and he needed to get out of there and again I think it's showing right now Boston's been dialed in on basketball, bro. Yeah, I <laughs> the Nets you, have I, not. I remember you did tell me that uh, you thought James Harden was going to be the winner of that trade that day that happened. You it, said he clearly got the dub out of that one because, I mean, I think, it, I think, I think that if Philly played Brooklyn in the first round, that Philly would be doing essentially the same thing to those guys too. I, yeah, I just felt like. In regards to the more immediate future, Philly had a better chance to win this year than that of. The Brooklyn Nets, Dude, the obviously, Brooklyn Nets because are, of, as organizationally are not doing good. Like, because look, they're they're going to have to find a new head coach. Steve Nash is out of there. If he's, they're he's if, not cutting, it. yeah. It, look, they got to find a bunch of you know uh, 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 chemistry. Yeah, they got to figure out who's going to be the actual guy and not have. I mean, you can't you can't pull that apart. You can't pull that constant struggle that's going to always be there with Kyrie and Kevin Durant on the floor. So you just got to you just got to move him. Well, I mean, you you assume Ben Simmons would be the deciding factor, but again, Ben Simmons has prioritized everything okay, but basketball cuz the man ain't played since what if June he, of last he year plays, and he, he could plays? have. What if he plays? I don't care. He's Don't get me started <laughs> on Ben Simmons. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying yeah, to get back. Yeah, yeah, come in. up in here, bro. Yeah, show up in game 4. <laughs> show up in game 4 against this tough ass Boston oh, Celtics man. team, and, and, and we'll and, see, and, that, and, that and we'll Boston see how it goes. And that Boston crowd, brick a few jumps. Well, I think he would start. I think oh, he would start in bad. in Brooklyn. Of course, Game Four would be played in Brooklyn, but yeah, go ahead and insert him into this. Yeah, that'd be. Go ahead and insert him into this gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, is throwing what it is playing against this Boston Celtics. Go ahead and throw him in it. Like, like for me, the way I see it is, I'm more concerned for Ben Simmons than I am excited <laughs> about his return. Yeah, because the last time I seen him, I saw him have a, a breakdown, a he, meltdown. He's a, he's a dysfunctional um, basketball player entering a dysfunctional basketball team. Yeah, and that's so I was like, it's not a good recipe. Uh, going up against a very functional basketball team, right? right Boston Celtics. I mean, look, so for I'm, me, I'm not even as concerned about what he could bring to the table from a basketball standpoint. I'm more concerned about can he handle the pressure of this inserting no, no, himself I, into this. I, I wouldn't. I don't know because I the last time I seen him, he couldn't do that. Yeah, I would. Maybe he worked. Maybe he's been putting in work on the mental health front over the last year. Maybe changing locations was pivotal for him to have an improvement in his mental health. I don't know, but I know the last thing that I saw, he wasn't able to handle. A moment like this and to come back to playing basketball after taking essentially a year off to this kind of an environment I'm concerned for his mental health more so than I care about the potential he has as a basketball player yeah, to do a lot too. of great things definitely me too because I think that his issues are not they're not confined to this you know season and it's going to be the real the real road of hope is going to be ahead where he's going to need to excuse me get a grasp on that and then also you know, find a way to funk. You know, what I'm saying like add to and function in this Brooklyn Nets basketball team because, I mean, damn, you have Kevin Durant, and Kyrie over there. You guys need to figure a way to get it together because, like you said, you know, um, that anyone can get it this year, and that nobody these, and, and these safeties, you know, people who you thought were safe are not there anymore. But look, that let history tell it. This is a dynastic league. That ain't gonna be that way for long. Like there's gonna that's how it works. Like yeah, it is. The Warriors will bring it back. Hello, <laughs> Jordan Poole, baby, top five shooter in the NBA. Yeah, I said it. Since we dishing out hot takes, <laughs> top five shooter in the NBA, baby. Splash the splash triplets. The splash the triplets. The triplets. I, I don't like that shit. The death lineup. The new death lineup. PTSD. I hope y'all are paying attention out there. Yo. I hope so. The, the Jordan Poole, he's a mighty, mighty man. Oh my god, he's a mighty, he's a mighty man. He's a killer. He's a killer. I in fact, I'm gonna just you know I like to put stuff in the atmosphere. I'm gonna try to get Connor Letourneau on here uh, next week. 
he recently wrote an article for the San Francisco Chronicle basically calling Jordan Poole baby Steph Curry. Mm. And that's why I'm willing to go as far as say he's a top five shooter in the NBA. For sure. Well, he is. And, and, mean, and not just because of— Statistically, he is this statistically, season. Statistically, not just because of how incendiary he is. Obviously, we've been able to see that on display here in the playoffs, and we've seen it throughout the course of the season. Shame on you, NBA, for not having him as a most improved player finalist. But um, he's the best free throw shooter in, in the, the league. league. And that directly correlates to being a great shooter. Yeah. And the fact that he's not— one-dimensional when it comes to his shooting ability. He's not – he can catch and shoot. He can shoot it off the dribble. He can shoot it off the curl. He can shoot it any which way that you need him to be. He can come off the screen. He can flare and knock it down. Like, you have some guys that just need to stand in the corner. You get a guy to penetrate, kick it out to them, catch, shoot, catch, shoot. They can do that all night long. No, he's coming off picks and pulling up. Yeah. He's coming Step off back. the – he's stepping back. Pulling up, he's, he's coming off he's, screens and he's, catching and knocking it down. He can do it every which and way, he's doing it. and that's why I'm willing to go as far as call him a top five shooter right now today. Totally, book and, and the baby Steph thing is so apt too because he's also doing it in the playoffs, which is even more impressive to do it. Yeah, he's going pump, dribble, drive, kick, relocate, get the ball back, hit shots off of relocations, catch and shoot. Like that's the stuff that I mean. That's Steph and Clay's you know, linchpin of their success and how they've become such a dynamic shooting duo. Mm -hmm. And they basically just drowned opposing teams, especially in the playoffs, in three-pointers, which is what they're doing now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the Warriors... It's funny, because I was going to say, you were like, like, yeah, that's a championship. Haven't even... You know, it's, it's... at risk of at risk of catching you in contradiction, you're like championship mentality. You can't look ahead, but we have looked directly past the Denver Nuggets when it comes to the Dubs because we uh, have, we have. I don't think they have. Well, they how can we, they? me they, and you Jokic, have? But I'm but Jokic is out. I don't still think standing there. He can't. You got to get yeah. His we out of the way. me and you have for sure, Man. but. That's because I'm confident in a guy like Draymond Green to be able to oh, lead yeah. them. I'm confident in Steph Curry and Klay Thompson it, and all the and even Steve Kerr and all the championship experience they have to know to lock into this particular moment Green, right now. Is Draymond Green the best defender ever? He's in the conversation. Top five, right? Absolutely in, in the, the conversation. In the last decade for sure, too, right? Oh yeah. In the okay. last decade, he might be I the mean, best. damn, dude. He might be the greatest defender. I mean, we're in the last talking about decade. a first ballot Hall of Famer here. Yeah, he's 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 Definitely a Hall of Famer. He's definitely probably a top five defender of all time. Did you see Bob Myers came out uh, today and they were just asking him about like picking up pool and things of that nature in the draft? Yeah. And, and they're like, what? Yeah, it's all like, Draymond. Yeah, he's like, it's all Draymond. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, Draymond's proven what he is as far as being a basketball mind on the court. When you obviously listen to conversations like what Bob Myers says off the court, even look at what he's doing in the media space and how he's killing it in that regard. He is a basketball savant when it comes to Mm -hmm. just his knowledge of the game, understanding the game. There's not too many people greater than him. I love it. I, I One of the highest compliments that I got from my high school basketball coach, and I played for a pretty good high school basketball team, and one of the highest compliments that I got, my high school basketball coach, obviously I'm from the Bay Area, went to a Warriors game earlier this season. Him and my former assistant coach, they're really good friends, of course, which is why they were on staff together. And he sent me a message from the Warriors game, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he essentially said, you were the Draymond Green of our <laughs> high school team. Damn. He essentially said, you were the Draymond Green of our high school wow, team. Wow, that's funny, man. And and mother- I couldn't agree more. I knew how to anchor defenses. I, I knew I played winning basketball. My IQ Devon was Green. Huh? My, my IQ, call it, call it what you want. I'm a winner, baby. Draymond, <laughs> Draymond <laughs> call it, Remix it how you will. I'm, we're winners, baby. We're winners. But no, like I, I was a leader in that way. And like I was one of those guys where I wasn't. I was never the most athletic guy on the floor, but I always got shit done. And I was one of those guys that when I went off the floor, you could see the difference in our team's production and our team's play in comparison to when I was on the floor. We played so much better. We played so much more efficient. And we won in games where we weren't expected to win. And that's kind of been the story of my life as a basketball player from high school to AAU to college is like, 
I won in a lot of games. There's a lot of games where I've been in the, oh, we haven't beaten this team in eight years. And when I show up, I have the game necessary for us to beat this team for the first time in eight years. I've obviously, I won four league championships throughout my high school career. Don't know what it's like not to win the league championship. I've been on a number one team in the state and I've had some of my coaches come on here and talk about some of the pivotal moments that I've played in turning the tide for teams that I played for, not because I was just the best player on the floor, but my IQ, my leadership ability, my 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 understanding of the game made it easier for everybody else who was around me on the floor. And even if you look at the Warriors this season, the Warriors turned the shit when Draymond got hurt. When Draymond went down and he missed a pretty good portion of this season, when Draymond got went down, the Warriors went to shit, essentially. Yeah. Draymond is back, and look at what they're doing. I they're mean, killing shit. But you need that person for sure. in life. Absolutely. Somebody who you know is like, okay, this is if this ever starts to suck, that person's going to at least get his hands dirty. That He's we gonna, know for sure. Right. Whenever this starts to go south, like, and, and Devon, I, I, that is something that I, I commend in your personality, that you're just like, you know what, man? If if something bad is going to happen or something is going to be an inconvenience, then we're just going to dog it out. Gonna that's dog just, it out. That's all we're going to do. We're going to dog it out. But we're not going to just dog it out to say that we're doing it. We're still going to figure out a way to win in this well, shit. of course. Of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, But but I think of that's course. important Come on. when you speak to somebody like a Draymond Green. He dogs it out, but he's not just dogging it out because he's tough. It's because it's he's free of done. ego. It's, <laughs> you know it's free I mean? of ego. Yeah, yeah. He's not just you doing know what it. I mean? Although he is tough. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's nah, doing it. See, that, that's why he's I, doing it strategically. He's able to just put the pieces together the necessary ways to win bro, the day. It's, and that it's, matters. And that's why he's so successful in the media space, bro. Same thing with like a Kendrick Perkins Perkins in a totally different way, but like that the persona that these gentlemen had in their professional careers, yeah. i.e. on the basketball court, yeah. was so dramatically different from who they are as people in a way. And yeah. like, and that you see that by saying, okay, go look at Draymond's, you know, podcast. Like, this is like a really, like, heartfelt man here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, Kendrick Perkins is like, he was always, like, billed as, the like, the enforcer. junkyard yeah, dog the junkyard, style right. big brute. But then it's right. like, no, man, this mother, he waxing poetic on ESPN, spinning everybody up in yarn. And it's yeah. like, okay, so that's how, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's where the, the success, I think, comes from, is being able to flex that. Yeah. You know, like, th that those differences in your personality. And we live in a time now, bro, where... I'm gonna keep it a buck with you, bro. It's it's sometimes really hard and daunting to be like, okay, you know, we're of a generation where it's like we gotta monetize all of our interests yeah. and all of our hobbies, and we gotta like try to find many streams of income. For and sure, it, it really just sort of, you know, law of diminishing marginal utility. It just sort of makes it less valuable because there's so you know we're so stretched out. Right, right. right. But again, it's like you know, case in point with Draymond Green or even a Kendrick Perkins or, or or Devon Pouncey, if you will. Absolutely. It's like, man, you just if you can try to separate your ego from that shit, then hopefully you'll be able to come through as authentic. And that is, you know, that you know, your parents probably told you this when you were a kid, and they they weren't lying. You know, <laughs> just be yourself, and it should yeah. work out. <laughs> it should it should work out. <laughs> you know, it should work out. Um, we'll be talking more playoff basketball every I week. I thought we so. covered enough of it. Yeah, we we covered enough for today. We'll be talking about it every week. So, straddle strap up, in. strap it in, <laughs> and uh, be ready to go for the ride. And listen, and listen, <laughs> because, uh, and listen. We're we're a basketball every week. We're a, even though our you know we're intersection sports politics culture. We are still that, which is why we're getting ready to talk music right now. We're gonna pivot away from basketball and take it to music, but. Come on, man. Y'all know we're basketball we're guys. We hoop, hoop heads. We, yeah, we hoop heads, But man. it's going to get louder on this podcast week by week as the Warriors progress further. Oh, so yeah. So just be careful, oh, everybody yeah. listening. Absolutely. going to be yelling at everybody. Oh, yeah. He's, oh, yeah. He's, he's come hosting pool parties I'm, I'm and all a little ignorant. I'm a little ignorant. He's going to go ignorant. crazy. I, I, this dude loves his Warriors. I'm a little man. ignorant when it comes. I'm, I'm, a, I'm just an ignorant fan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whether it's the Warriors, the Raiders, the A. I'm an ignorant fan. <laughs> and again, I've talked about it on this podcast before. I credit funny, that dude. to the culture of fandom that I was raised in was Oakland Raider fandom. <laughs> Oakland Raider, it's the worst. Fandom is yeah. it's the worst. Yeah, it's so rough. it's rough. Go. It's fun as hell though. It's fun as hell when you're in it. Absolutely, Kendrick's dropping. Calvin Harris is dropping. 
Future is dropping. Young Thug is dropping. Jack Harlow is dropping. <laughs> I heard even Mos Def and Talib Kweli are doing a Black Star album. Really? That's what I. I mean, I had heard that before, but I heard yeah. that they might have like knocked down to either this year or next. At least they they announced a date. It's it's about Se- the, second quarter, baby. Second, second quarter. quarter. The springtime and it's is interesting. In full bloom. It's interesting because for you know, obviously, y'all know I DJ. I haven't been promoting my DJ gigs as much lately. I got. My first one back after season next week. I don't really DJ much during basketball season because I'm calling games for like three different teams. So my weekends are kind of shot in that regard. So I just kind of lay off of it. But I playlist. I'm always listening to music. I'm always hearing what's going on. And although I think quarter number one was solid, quarter number two is going to be the quarter of the year <laughs> this year when you consider the Mag Kendrick probably the most anticipated album in music, not even just hip-hop and music at this point, just from where he's been able to propel himself to in his career. Obviously, you know, we can get into the conversation of now how hip-hop is now mainstream music um, in ways that it obviously wasn't in the past. So there's so many reasons why Kendrick may be the most anticipated album in music. But you also mentioned uh, Calvin Harris, That's the album I'm anticipating most because I still say, remember when everybody, I mean, obviously we're only in 2022, so we're still pretty fresh into this decade, but remember when everybody was doing all of their decade wrap-ups in 2019, going into 2020, so on and so forth, and they were talking about what the best album of the decade was, what the best whatever of the decade was. You got all decade teams and Mm. and stuff like that. my favorite album, I still say, is two albums that I think are my favorite albums of that decade. One is My Crazy Life by YG. Mm, yeah. And the, and the other album. one, and then is obviously I'm speaking personally, not trying to rate this thing worst, best, so on and so forth. My Crazy Life by YG and Funk Wave Bounces Volume 1 by Calvin Harris. Because I, I felt like that album made it acceptable for not only hip-hop to navigate in a space far exceeding hip-hop. And when I say that, not just a particular artist. Like, you had Lil Wayne, obviously, who was transcendent when it came to he had the best flow and the greatest rap and hip-hop ability, but he could also transition and do rock and do pop and all of that. He, He did a lot of genre bending. Calvin Harris was able to bring... Nothing. His intention was to bring nothing but hip hop artists to come genre blend and come play in his world, and he made them sound great. He didn't make them sound like they didn't belong. And I mean, think about it. He had Future. He had Snoop Dogg. He had Lil Yachty. He had Travis Scott. He had Khalid. Like the whole album was the culture as far as the features was concerned. All he does is produce. So the entire album was the culture. But the genre blending that it did, I also think has created a window for us to accept and receive this new wave of R&B as well. Mm. Because as a culture, we kind of stopped accepting R&B a little bit because it wasn't the 90s R&B era, which is obviously like the golden era of R&B. It wasn't the baby making music era. It kind of more so turned into a lifestyle genre and people weren't calling it real R&B. But once we saw hip hop, make the conversion over into the genre bending space. We were a little bit more accepting, I believe, of what R&B is becoming. And R&B is great. And now I feel like R&B is finally getting the respect that it deserves. So I am absolutely stoked for Funk Wave Bounces Volume 2. I'm assuming that it's going to have the same model as Funk Wave Bounces Volume 1 did. And again, bringing artists from a particular culture, obviously in this case more the hip-hop culture, into a world that they don't essentially derive from as artists and to allow them to grow their artistry by introducing them to a space that Calvin Harris has obviously had mad success in and he's able to make the pieces fit. I think that's what's more important is while genre bending, making those pieces fit 
And that was so impressive of him in Funk Wave Volume 1. Funk Wave Bounces Volume 1. Right. I mean, and I totally get you on that because that production aspect is often overlooked in what people can do. Like, And I, I think this about a lot of rappers. I think that there's a lot of rappers in the game who are really good. Like, they should be the best rappers of all time. But they're not because they're not great musicians. Mm. And they don't concern themselves, at least from my ear, necessarily first trying to make good music. Right. And that is what a good producer is supposed to do. It's supposed to take that work, do that work for you. Yeah. As like a somebody who can sing real good or can rip on guitar or who can rap. But Calvin Harris, it, you go and look at his career – I remember we had this conversation some years ago where we were talking about how great of a producer he truly was. And you go back and look at his catalog, man. The dude <laughs> has, I mean, regardless of where his music has fallen genre-wise yeah. or on what, on what uh, I think billboard that, list it got onto. Yeah, because that was just like I looked it up on, on Apple Music the other day and the genre of Funk Wave Bounces Volume 1 Fell under just dance, right? Dance, yeah. Dance. Well, I mean, he's that like that's genre. what he is. He's like yeah. a, a, a big club dance, right? Festival DJ, festival guy. DJ for sure. And but I mean, like I said, like you go back and you look at his stuff, it's like he's just trying to make good songs. Absolutely, and, and, and bro, and, and I, he does it over and over and over and over and over, he's and over, a and over super again. Producer, bro. yeah. Hit absolutely. after hit after hit in all types of spaces. Absolutely. But I'm saying that like that's what Funk Wave Volume Bounce to Volume uh, Two. Funk Wave Bounce Volume 2 to me, at least I'm hoping, what I'm anticipating, is that it's going to be like a culmination of what you were just talking about in that like rappers are great musicians now. Yeah. R&B musicians are great rappers too. Yeah. There's like dudes who are producing their own beats. I mean, shit, we didn't even mention that J. Cole dropped this quarter too. And yeah. it's just like yeah. you have all of these just unbelievable, true-to-life artists who can do really well all these other things that – until, you know, I mean, really, like this last decade or so, I don't think it's really come together cohesively the way that it has today in just the immense amount of talent cross, you know, cross artistically, if you will. Right, with, right. With people. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for it. Again, I'm excited for this summer. I'm excited for this summer of music. I'm excited to see how music works outside this summer. Mm. <laughs> Obviously, we've had limited summers <laughs> the past couple due to us being in a in a public health crisis <laughs> with corona coronavirus and COVID-19. So I'm excited to see how music works this summer because obviously we're in a place where it's going to be a new normal in regards to just how, how society works. And music being such an intricate part of society at large i'm excited to see the places that we're gonna go and what's gonna be sort of like the soundtrack of it the soundtrack of it mm. what's gonna be the soundtrack of this summer coming out of two years of very limited summers <laughs> in regards to um, activity in regards to opportunity in regards to just being able to move freely, essentially. So I'm excited to see how music is going to correlate to society at large in a way that we are going to navigate how we live life, essentially, because we haven't been able to really do so due to the restrictions that we've had the last couple of summers. Yeah, I mean, and those are the perfect venues to kind of figure out, like, you know, how are we going to get, how are we going to work around putting a, massive amounts of people together in the same space you know, and even like, more so to localize it i'm interested to see how that's going to work in portland well it seems as it dave Chappelle was here last night and he was at the moda center and he sold it out and he sold it out so they seem to be doing just fine over there and now we'll never be able to know if people were or weren't wearing masks in there because there ain't no cell phones, no cell phones in there. so we'll never know but you know those are the venues for it you know what i'm saying like because public transportation that's where the line in the sand is being drawn, it seems, at least global, you know, uh, uh, countrywide and, and beyond. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, in terms of like masks, like the hybridization of having masks on in certain places or right. not. Because that's really ultimately like that's that's the takeaway from this the COVID and the and the global pandemic is that like masks are now a mainstay in Western culture. Yeah. 
what you know to, to varying degrees right that's it and so i think music is you know obviously that's the front line of being able to figure out like okay how far do we push this where do we draw the ultimate lines where you know what are, where are we going to set parameters based on how long so you're right bro i mean you're you're totally nailed it with that i i totally agree music is going to be the the you know it's going to very much dictate how we come out of the pandemic. how we come out of it man yeah. <laughs> i mean because obviously god Acts and artists are going to be touring more now. Yeah. There's, there's and you know a lot, a lot of, of people waited art. for that. A lot of people waited for that. A lot of people held on to music. They need their money. Calvin Calvin dropped Funk Wave Bounces Volume One in 2017. Yo, like so not that he not ago. that he was hungry during the pandemic, but it's like he probably yeah. Go, decided, go Google I'm his gonna net wait. worth right now. If you yeah, want to feel really but but, but, but ultimately, but still, It'll you care about. You. But still, you care, but he doesn't have the success to have the network that he had, the net worth that he has without caring for the craft and understanding how his craft works and leveraging his skill set to the general public to be able to have a successful relationship with his fans, um, obviously with the industry, because he clearly does with all the collaborations that he's been able to absolutely smoke from from obviously just a pure music standpoint, um, yeah, from I really a think, charting standpoint, yeah, I really <laughs> just think so like, many different ways. Outside of Kenny, especially because he's saying it's going to be his last album, which, I, you know, who knows? I do think that that's going to be like the album of the year in, in the sense of like, what it means because real heads know. Yeah, when that Calvin, shit dropped, it that really dropped. flipped the game on its ear it for a the little game bit. On its Everyone ear. was kind of like, ah, damn, future. He it got future to sound good. like that, like that. Like, yeah, fuck. all right, damn. Now we all Travis go back Scott. to the drawing board. Oh, he went. Oh my god, he went. Don't even get me started. And so, go listen. That's an episode. Go, that's an album I'm willing to promote on this podcast. Yeah, go hit. That. If you haven't heard it, go listen to Funk Wave Volume Funk Wave Bounces Volume One and listen to that. Yeah, and get excited for Volume Two because. It's coming. Yeah, you <laughs> just coming. got gamed up on the Wake Up and Win podcast. You're welcome. Absolutely. On that note, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go, go win. win. <laughs>